How many of you are ready to dive into the Word this morning? I am going to minister a message. I have never ministered this here before, ever, um, ever in my life. <laughs> uh, and as I was studying, I'm like, man, oh, man, oh, God took me down a path. I'm going to minister out of the book of Ecclesiastes today. Now, <laughs> that's a book where you read the writer and you think he's lost his ever-loving mind. Everything's meaningless. Everything's worthless. And, and I'm going to explain why uh, the author was doing that. But before we do, uh, it's going to be good. Uh, I, I, and also, I want to say this too. If you ever have like a... Um, something exciting happened to you. You can't tell anybody, but it's good. And it's kind of like Christmas, like a Christmas present. But I'm going to just say this, church. God is up to something big in Elevation Church. God's favor is on the church. Now, I want you to receive that personally, because when I say God's favor is on the church, I'm talking about you. You are the church. So everything you do, every place you go, blessings of God's going to be on you. He's going to bless your kids. You're going to see it on them. He's going to bless your marriage. You're going to see it. He's going to bless everything. He's going to give you the best deals right now in the middle of all this inflation. And people are going to say, how'd you get that so cheap? I don't know. I just serve a big God. I just love Jesus, you know. But God's blessings is on this church. And uh, I'm excited to be a part of a healthy church. We don't have any debt. God's blessing us, and we're preparing for something big. We're going to be buying this building over here in the fall, and uh, it's going to be exciting. So don't, let's just keep pouring it on, because I'll tell you what, we got to get prepared for growth, what's going to happen. Amen. Well, let's pray. I'm going to quit rambling. Father, I want to thank you this morning um, for what you are about to do, what you've already done. Because, God, you're doing so many good things right now. God, you have already stirred the Holy Spirit in this place, God, through this incredible worship. And, God, you are already here. And, God, there are some people sitting right now, right now where they're at, and they are searching for something. God, they, they're hungry for something. And, God, today, right now, strategically, precisely, God, you're going to take a message, a word that God that comes out of this servant's mouth. And when they hear it, they will know that they know that they know it was specifically for them. Because that's the God that you are. And God, the answer is going to come. And God, you're going to reveal it to them. I don't know who they are, but God, they're here. And God, you have already made a way. It's already done, saith the Lord. God, anoint me, anoint your servant this morning as God, I submit myself to you to use me however that God that you want to use me. I'm yours in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Wow. Could you all just do me one more thing? Uh, look at somebody, say, you guys, you're looking really good this morning and good to see you because I need a drink of water. <laughs> All right. You can always say, hey, haven't you lost a little bit of weight? You're looking real good there. You guarantee you can't say that to me. Y'all pray for me. I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock. I didn't say I'm going to do it. I'm going to take off, start running and walking and do better, and uh, we'll see how long that goes. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Okay. Enjoying life under the sun. Title of the message this morning. How many of you, just be honest, um, you might be going through some tough times. Right now we're living in a, some tough times, you know. We got, we got a war going on in the other part of the world. We've got um, inflation and we've just got, you know, some stuff happening. And there's always going to be uneasiness in the world we live in. The economy is going to be up and down. It just, it's, it's been happening since the beginning of time. Uh, but it creates things in our lives. And it sometimes can take away joy, can it? Just be honest, you know, it, it's, it's hard to really, truly enjoy life. And so I want to talk to you this morning about enjoying life under the sun. 
and you're going to ask, why, what, what's under the sun mean? And the author we're going to read, it's going to come together in just a little bit, and I'm going to explain it to you because that's powerful. It's a powerful statement because that's really where God wants us all to be. He wants you to enjoy life. And, and you know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, not that I've never have not been honest, but anyway, you ever wonder why people say that? Can I just be honest with you? Well, have you been lying to us the whole time? <laughs> Isn't it funny? We're just creatures. We just say that. Well, I'm going to tell you the truth. Okay. Easy. Sue, was that you? Be nice. Just because this is our living room doesn't give it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, now I have no clue where I was going. But no, here's, here's where I was going. There's times in our lives where we just got to say enough is enough is enough. Right. And I, it's time that I start to enjoy life. I'm sick and tired of not enjoying life, of how the enemy constantly bombsbard me with all this stuff. And God wants you to enjoy life. So what we're going to do, I want you to turn to Ecclesiastes on your phone or get there or whatever you want to do, or you can watch on the screens this morning. And, and we're going to look through the, the book of Ecclesiastes this morning. Again, I've, I don't think I've ever ministered out of Ecclesiastes an entire message before. Uh, so, so bear with me. It's going to be new. We're all, on the, we're all together. It's on something new here. But um, the, for those of you who don't know, Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes. You all know that? Solomon. Now, he actually also wrote Proverbs, and he wrote Proverbs when he was young, and uh, it's a really good book. I, I, I love reading Proverbs, but then things begin to happen, and he tries to find fulfillment, and he tries all this stuff in his life, and he lives life, and he, he goes through a really difficult season in his life, unhappy, unsatisfied, not content, and, and then he writes Ecclesiastes. And then you think he lost his ever-loving mind. What in the world? But in this, he has discovered, he has discovered the answer on how that we can really truly enjoy life. And we're going to see it at the end, but we're going to have to truck through some grounds to get there and listen to what he said. So let's talk about enjoying life this morning, okay? Let's, let's enjoy life again. And some of you, you're here and you're right there, but, but you really need to step up your game. God wants you to enjoy life. Pat's already encouraged this morning. He wants you to enjoy life. So let's read what in uh, Ecclesiastes here, what Solomon had to say. And he starts off really encouraging. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Now, there that word is, under the sun. Now, just for fun, I like to look up phrases, and, and I looked this up this week, and I found out that this word or this phrase, under the sun, you can find it 29 times in Ecclesiastes. So he's trying to tell us something, under the sun. Now, by the way, uh, uh, Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. Incredible man, sharp man. And if he's the wisest man that ever lived and he was onto something here, then I want us to look at what he has to say to us because he wants to help us walk out of the discouragement of all the toils and all the problems of life. And he's going to teach us how to start living an enjoyable life again. He's going to teach us something. So let's listen to this incredible teacher to try to teach us how to get out of this. And that's the reason why uh, I'm going to share this message this morning is because many of us today, again, if we are honest, again, I don't know why I say that, but if we're honest to ourselves, there are some of us that we're probably not in a, in a good place. There's always something that God needs to do in our life. Because trust me, just the past few weeks, I've talked to people and they said, Pastor, I need for you to pray for me about this. Pastor, this is not going good. Pastor, this is happening. Pastor, can you do it? On and on and on. And people have unloaded. And so I know that there are many of you here this morning that you're going through some tough times right now. And so really the question that we have to ask ourselves is this, so how do we get to the place in our lives where we can really truly start to enjoy life again? How do we really get there? And, and 
and again, in my life, there's been many, many, many times in my life where I've went through a lot of major things. I've went through incredible trials in my life, things that I would have never thought that I would have ever went through. You know, me going through my sickness, and, and, and I never, ever would have dreamed that I would have ever lost my taste. I, I, I'm going through cancer treatment. I never, ever realized that I would lose all my salivary glands. I never really, I never knew that I would have to go through a, a, a breaking up of a church where a pastor fell and I had to eat all that fruit. I, I never would have dreamed that I would have had to ever go through those, those, those tribulations that I went through. But here's one thing that I did learn when I finally came out of them, I learned so much. And it was so, I was able to see life so much different. Man, I started to appreciate food again. I started to appreciate that I have moisture in my mouth again so that I can enjoy and swallow food the way that I'm supposed to. And so here, really, this is what God was telling me this week as I was studying. Trials will change the way you look at life, church. When you go through something major and when you come out of it, you're going to look at life a whole lot differently. And when I see people that went through the same thing I went through, I have compassion on them. And I'll go out of my way to make sure that, that they're okay. And that's why that you will always hear me say that the most happiest that you will ever be is when it's about other people. Man. And that's what I found myself doing because when I went through that, I found the greatest joy and the greatest happiness in my life when I began to start to minister to other people who were going through similar situations that I was going through. Um, but Simon refers to the trials and the problems of this world as under the sun. Everything under the sun. Now, I remember as I was thinking about, as he was talking, as I was studying, him talking about under the sun, under the sun, I was reminded of, of uh, when I took a mission trip to Jamaica. Uh, I was getting on an airplane uh, there in Atlanta, and it was Air Jamaica. And... Uh, and it was a storm. I mean, black clouds everywhere. It was lightning. And, and I'll be honest with you, I hadn't flown that much before. And I'm getting a little nervous here. Okay, my first flight, um, I, I'm not really hip about this. But anyway, so we all get on the plane. I mean, it thundering, lightning, raining. And the pilot comes on over the intercom. And he says, listen, everybody, everything's fine. This is a little storm here. So here's what we're going to do. We're still going to take off. But we're going to be probably, it's going to take about five minutes, give me about five to 10 minutes, and we're going to fly above this. And it's beautiful weather. I'll get us out of this storm. So everybody be patient. You might find some, feel some turbulence and all that. And so sure enough, we take off and we're all white faced on this plane. <laughs> uh, come on. How many of you, I mean, it's nervous. I mean, you see lightning? Oh, please don't strike the plane. I don't know. You know, and then you were going up through there and you're going like this. You ever see that old movie? I'm, I'm looking out on the wing. I don't want to see that creature anyway. <laughs> that was old. <laughs> what is that? That was like a Twilight Zone movie or something. Anyway, but I'm, that's what I felt. I'm like, oh my gosh, let's get up out of here. But finally we got to the place and we were coming to this dark black cloud, lightning. And then all of a sudden we got above it. The sun was there. And you were able to look down and actually see the lightning below you. It was phenomenal, but it was like a different world up there. But what happened? We flew above the storm. And this is what God wants us to do. A lot of times we're under the sun and we're in the storms of life, but God wants us to rise above that storm. And, 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 but up there, it was good. But, but this is what Solomon was talking about. He said, everything under the, under the sun is going wrong. And this is where many people live. But we have to learn how to enjoy life when we're in the storms because we're going to live in this life. We're going to have storms, but we can enjoy while we're in it. And so here's the question we have to ask ourselves this morning. It's not if we're going to go through a storm, but can we come out of it? Can we overcome it in our mind? Can we overcome it in our heart? How can we do this? And so, so in Ecclesiastes here, he says this in, in 1 verses 8, everything is worrisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. Never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. And so this is where I want us to go this morning. And, and this is living life in its fullest of being 
non-content. You know, you're uncontent with everything. And this is where many Christians are at today. It's, it's they're creating the storms of life. They want more. And they, and they want to, the house they got is not good enough. And, and they think they got to have another house. The car they drive is not good. So they think they got to have another car and that's going to make them happy. So they get another car and they're not happy. And they even swap spouses thinking that that's going to make them happy. It actually causes more problems. <laughs> but, but this is where many Christians live. And so nothing under the sun is ever going to satisfy us is what Solomon's saying here. And here, by the way, Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. He knows what he's talking about. Because I'm going to show you some stuff where he tried to do all this stuff to make him happy. And it did not make him happy. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the biggest major punchline right here that God gave me this week that I want to give you. And you want to know why? And there are some of you here this morning that you're still not happy. I, I, I see it. All you got to do is go look at people's Facebook posts. They think, well, if I could just go to the doctor having fixed my nose, I'll be happier. It's hilarious. Or if I could just go and have you fix my eyebrows or my eyes. If I could just go and have you fix my lips. That one I don't know and understand. But, and they come out worse than what they did before, and, and, and it's awful. I'm like, is it just me? But, it, but anyway, we'll get off. But, but they, they're never satisfied. They try everything and anything. But here's the thing. You can go buy a new car. You can go trade your trade your bride in for somebody else, but you're never going to be satisfied. You want to know the reason why? Here's the reason why. Our bodies were created to be a home for the Holy Spirit. Oh, somebody needs to get it. And, and there is a hole there in every one of us. When you were born, our bodies were created to house the Holy Spirit. And if you have not housed the Holy Spirit, if you have not accepted Christ into your life, there is going to be a longing and you're not going to know why, but you're going to be searching and searching and looking and searching. Well, if I just do this and make me happy, if I just do this and make me happy, I'm going to tell you something, you will never get there. And Solomon discovered this. And let me prove it to you that, that you will have a hole there until he comes in. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9, it says, do you know, do you not know? I love that. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Watch. Who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. You will never be content. You will never be satisfied until you let the Holy Spirit take control of your life, church. That's the only thing that's going to satisfy our soul. Now, Paul went through the same thing, but Paul discovered that he could live an enjoyable life under the sun. As a matter of fact, he was shipwrecked. He was in prison. He was beaten. He was whipped, waiting to be uh, killed, martyred. Remember that? But in that, watch here. Watch what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we could take nothing out of it. The changes stay. By the way, you're going to get a new body. If you just be patient, God can save you a ton of money. <laughs> Am I right? He said if you get a new body, girls, just be patient. Take it easy. Save yourself all that money. <laughs> but we brought nothing into the world and we could take nothing out of it. But if you have food and clothing, now, by the way, he was living in a different time. He says, we will be content with that. In other words, if you got a t-shirt and a sandwich, you're going to be happy. Not so today. Not so today. Are, am I lying? No way, man. It, there's never going to be enough money. Your house is never going to be nice enough. You're never going to like the way you look. We're, we're going to constant. Why? Because we live in a world where everybody is trying to be something that, that, they, that they're not. And they're trying to be like everybody else. And the person you're trying to be like, they're trying to be like somebody else. And the person they're trying to be like, they're trying to be like somebody else. Amen. And so, so but we can never be satisfied but, but if anyone ever learned and understood how to live under the sun, it was Paul. 
because he was in prison. And, and here's the thing, what, when you're in prison living in all of that and still able to enjoy life, man, you got your heart together. You got your life together. And Paul wrote two thirds of the New Testament while, most, while mostly in the prison. Most guys in prison, They'd be writing, writing sorrow letters. They'd be writing, oh, this stinks. It's stupid. I hate this place. No, he took the time to write to you and I two-thirds of the New Testament while he was in prison. So you talking about a man who knew how to enjoy life under the sun. He was the one who knew how to do it. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 14, Solomon goes on and says this, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. Now, this is the wisest man who ever lived. Listen, we're going to learn from this. He's seen it all. He's tried it all. I'm going to show it to you. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. You ever tried to chase after wind? It's hard, isn't it? Can't catch that thing. That's what we do. I got to get that house. Got to have that new car. Got to have that other job. I definitely need that. I'm going to to get a new wife, get a new husband. (laughs) You were constantly, and and we think it's going to make us happy. And it never does. Because that void is what you're looking for. That heart, that inward Holy Spirit is what you're desiring. And you don't even know, most people don't know that. We don't know that's why we're hungry. We don't know why that's why that we're not happy with our life because we're, we're not to a place where we're content with God. We've got to get to that place. And so Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived now, is going to teach us how that we can have this happiness while still living under the sun while all this stuff's going on, okay? Now watch here, because this is the wisest man who ever lived, a man who had everything. Go ahead and put this up here. I put this on here. Solomon had everything life had to offer under the sun for enjoyment while he's under the sun. Now let me show you stuff he's had. Because now look, he's trying to teach us something here. He had wealth. The, The wealthiest man on the face of the earth was Solomon. Elon Musk, Warren Buffett, uh, some of the other ones, um, Jeff Bezos, all those dudes right now put all their monies together. They still couldn't top how much money Solomon had back then. Couldn't do it. He had it all. And, but then even in all the wealth, he still wasn't satisfied. And so he went here. The second thing that he had, he had education too. Sharp man. He wrote the Bible. Of course, we know that he wrote Ecclesiastes and he wrote thousands and thousands of Psalms or, or Proverbs, and he, and he was so sharp, so educated. He had all the education you could ask for, but he still wasn't satisfied. Then he even tried this next one. How about this one, number three? That he had pleasure too. Had all kinds of pleasure. He had parties. He had singers. He had dancers. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? At his parties. He had all the booze, all the wine. He tried it all. He had a thousand wives. Now, I don't get that one. <laughs> I, well, I don't know if that would you call that pleasure or if you would call that just torment. Now, let's flip it around, ladies. Let's just put you there, too. A thousand husbands, that would be torment, too, okay? So let's just go, let's get even the playing field here, okay? But anyway, he tried a thousand wives, and he still wasn't happy. Still, it did not bring satisfaction. Now, how about this one? He also had a lot of occupation, too. This guy, he built palaces. He built temples. He had occupation. He was a somebody in the community. Everybody respected him because he, he was a man that, that it was like an architect. He, he, he was under a lot of occupation here. And still, all the temples, all the palaces, again, this is the dude saying everything's meaningless. This is the guy who had everything, church, everything. The things that we want thinking that it's going to make us happy, he's already had it. Now, he's telling us he, this, didn't ha- this didn't help him either. How about he also had possessions? This guy had so much stuff. He had cattle. He had land. He had gold. He had silver. He had everything. Everything, all the possessions, the nicest of clothes. I mean, if there was cars back then, he had had the nicest of nicest. But still, he wasn't satisfied. 
He even tried a long life. He tried to, 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 to live on and on and on and on and try to be healthy, and, and he did not find fulfillment in that either. But here's what happens. After he tries all of this, this is where he lands right here. And, and actually, he says there's a time and there's a season under the sun for everything. And this is where he's landing now. And he's trying to teach us that, look, guys, I'm the smartest guy in the world. He didn't say he's the smartest guy. We know he's the smartest guy. But here's the guy, most intelligent guy, the wealthiest guy that had everything in life telling us now today, everything is meaningless. And there's going to be a time and a season for everything under this sun for all of us. Okay? And everybody's got to go through it. We're all going to go through it. Now, let me read you just a little bit of it here. And this is a scripture that we usually read at funerals. And I thought, you know, it's so, again, I've never ministered on Sunday morning, but it's, it's powerful. Watch what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 4, 1 through 4. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal. And we see that in our world today. A time to tear down and a time to build up. We've seen that. A time to weep and a time to laugh. We see that. A time to mourn and a time to dance. We've seen that. And what he's saying, he says, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian. It doesn't matter if you're a non-Christian. You will go through this. And you can't escape it. We will all go through some of this in our lives. But we have to understand while we're going through it that there's still going to be good times. There's still going to be bad times. Some of you are going to buy good cars and there's going to be bad cars. Amen. There's going to be good weather and there's going to be bad weather. But the bottom line is this is we have to understand that life is going to throw us fastballs and curveballs. Again, that's the best I come up with this week. But it's, it's true, isn't it? Life's going to throw all kinds of pitches at us, and, and, and here's what we've got to do. We, as, as a body of Christ, have got to be content enough in ourselves like Paul was when he was in the prison and stay focused and still keep swinging and still keep hitting the balls because you're going to get curveballs and you're going to get fastballs, and a curveball is the hardest ball to hit in the major leagues. They're, look, they're waiting for the fastballs because the fastballs are the ones that they knock over the fence, but it's the curveballs that gets them off the, off the rhythm. And, and it's harder to hit that. And this is what most of the time the enemy will throw at us curveball after curveball after curveball, and then he'll throw a fastball, and, we get and we're not ready for it. But here's the thing. We have to prepare for all of it. We have to learn to manage what he throws our way because we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, do we? None of us knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And so let's go back to the question I asked you. I'll put it up here. How do we get to the place where we can start enjoying life under the sun? When we see those fastballs, when we see those curveballs, how do we get to this place? What do we do? So Solomon, after he writes in Ecclesiastes and he unloads, telling us everything's meaningless, everything's worthless, everything, you're just wasting your time. You're just chasing after the wind. Then he starts to bring it into perspective for us. Then this wisdom that he has begins to teach us how that we can truly enjoy life the way that God wants us to. Now listen to what he says here in Ecclesiastes 3, verses 11 and 12. I love this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Catch that. He has made everything beautiful in its time. If you be patient, you can have a beautiful marriage. And you keep swinging at those curveballs under the sun because it's not going to be easy. But if you're patient in time, you could have a beautiful family. In time, you could have a beautiful career. In time, you could have a beautiful a business. In time, we could have a beautiful elevation church. But we have to learn we have to learn how to praise him under the sun. We've got to learn how to, how to keep swinging at the fastballs and at the curveballs and not get distracted because we don't have what everybody else have. And we get distracted and then we start chasing after other things to, in order to fulfill what we want rather than what God wants for us. But God still, no matter what we're faced, but, but there's still going to be good times and there's still going to be bad times, but God still wants us to enjoy life. 
He wants us to enjoy life while we're under the sun. And so we can either think, we can either think above the sun or we can think below the sun. Now, I'm going to give you five things really quickly, and we're done. It's not going to be long. Five things that, that, that I found that Solomon pulls out of Ecclesiastes here, and he said, I want you to focus on these five things. If you're really going to enjoy life, number one, you got to have your heart right. That, that, you got to have this thing right, and he'll bring this out. But, but the first thing that he said that I found here is he says, I want you to enjoy your friends. Enjoy your friends. Now, you will hear me say this quite often. This entire Bible was built on two principles. The entire Bible, on these two. You know what it is? Loving God and loving others. Those are the first and two greatest commandments. The whole entire Bible is built on that. And so if you think you could do life alone, you're in trouble. That's why when we went through this, this isolation mode, that was dangerous for churches. D- dangerous for the body of Christ because God knew that we're going to be better together. And, and, and Solomon knew this. The wisest man, watch what he says here. Let's go here. Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9 and 10. Two are better than one, Solomon says, because they have good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. I know people today who has no one and going through difficult seasons in their life. And I tell them, I said, who are your accountability partners? Who, who can you talk to? But they shelter, they go back, and they isolate. Dangerous. Solomon, the wisest man, said, if you're going to enjoy life, the most happiest you're going to ever be is when you help other people. Get yourself out of your zone that you're in, out of your depression, and go help somebody. And through that, you're going to begin to be helped back because whatever you sow is whatever that you're going to get. That's right. right? And we've learned that in the Blessed Life series, that whatever a man sows is whatever he gets back. For whatever measure that he gets, he's going to be measured back to him. If you, if you measure, if you sow out helping people and loving people, you're going to get help back and loving back. Press down, shaking together, and running over. So enjoy your friends. Um, so I, I was trying to come up with something to help us with this uh, uh, illustration. How many of you have ever seen a Belgian horse? Those suckers are big. And I studied this week, and what I realized was is a Belgian horse, they're made for pulling things. They go horses. That's what they do. You all know that, don't you? A Belgian horse. <laughs> a Belgian horse, they can pull things. Do you know how much one Belgian horse can pull? 8,000 pounds. You got eight, right? 8,000 pounds. One Belgian horse. Okay. But when you put two together, how many pounds do you think it could pull then? Well, you would think 16,000, right? But nobody, somebody, somebody said it. 23,000 pounds together. Now, this is the crazy part. When they kept those Belgian horses together and they keep them together year after year, and the older that they get, the stronger they get, and they can pull up to record, I think, to to, to the day, is 53,000 pounds, those two Belgian horses, when they stay together. Did you catch what I said? When they stay together, the longer that they're together, the more that they can pull. And when the body of Christ and our friends, we stay together, the stronger that we get year after year after year. Amen. So don't isolate yourself. That's why Elevation Church is, is a reckon to be or a force to be reckoned with or whatever you want to call it. It's because we're a body of believers that we've been together. We've been through the fire. We've been living under the sun. But blessed be God, we're rising above it in Jesus' name because we're staying together. Amen. Wow. And so in other words, a good friend will help you to live above the sun. They're going to speak positive words over you. And by the way, if you've got friends in your life always knocking you down, discouraging you, disconnect from them. Disconnect from the discouragers so God can begin to bring the encouragers. Because there are people that God has created just for you to encourage you. And you quit lining yourself up with the wrong people. It's okay to disconnect. It's okay to love at a distance. Man, learn that. I've tried to teach you that over the years. And so number one, enjoy your friends. I got to go. Number two, he says here, now I found it. He said, enjoy your work. Now you, some of you are going, he's lost his ever love of mine. But he says this, enjoy 
your work. Now let's read it. In Ecclesiastes 5 and 8, he says, even so, I have noticed one thing. At least that is good. It is good for people to eat and drink. Now he's got that one right. I love to eat and drink and enjoy their work under the sun when it's going bad. But he says, enjoy it. And then some of you, you're spending way too much time. I hate my job. I don't like my job. I want a new job. Well, you can't get a new job if you can't take care of the one that you got. Wake up and say, I thank God for my job. At least I got a job. There are some people in this world don't have a job. Thank you, God, that I got a job. And as a matter of fact, I'm not going to go to work anymore. I'm going to change the word from work to helping people. When I get to wake up, I get to go help, help people because the most happiest I'm going to be is when I get to help other people. And you keep doing that and keep doing that. And guess what? When you take care of what you got, God can bless you with a new job someday soon. But you got to enjoy the job that you have. Be thankful for that. Now, and, and so that's number one. Number one, enjoy your friends. And, and number two, I'm sorry, number, enjoy your friends. And then number two, enjoy your work. And here's the third one, because I'm going to go quick. Enjoy your children. Take time with your kids. Um, I, I love your fa- Barrett's over here, right? Barnett's. I knew it was Barnett. I was going to say that first. I don't know why I said Barrett. Barnett, I love watching you post it on your girls, the horse. You spend time with your daughter, and she sees it. I see it in her eyes. Mom and Daddy's there for me. And, and they spend time with their kids. It's important that you do that. Let me read you some scripture, because, by the way, I, my son came in, and my son, my, son, my son and my daughter-in-law, and got to spend all day with us yesterday. Man, we had a ball. We're done. We did some fun stuff together. Now, today, they're spending it with her family, which, you know, I... I guarantee, I'm going to be like Pastor David. When they have a child, we're not online, so Scott can't hear this. When when they have a baby, this grandparent, no one's going to beat him. I'm going to have the coolest toys. I'm going to be the best, coolest granddaddy. And when that little boy's on the road headed south to Scottsburg, he's going to go, I won't go to Saturday's house. I'm just saying. Now, come on, you grandparents, you know I'm telling the truth. Pastor David, you're listening to me in that room, and you've already doing it. Yes. Amen. There he opened up the door. Get out here and help me out. i got to close this thing down. <laughs> come on. But enjoy. Watch what it says here. Now, this is a man. Let's go on to Scripture here. A man might have 100 children. I'm like, what in the world are you thinking, 100 children? Then I think about, oh, well, this is a dude who had 1,000 wives. Okay. Makes more sense that way, doesn't it? But if you have 100 children and live to be a very old, and I should not put the rest of this in here because he kind of goes la-la land, but if he finds no satisfaction in life and doesn't even get a decent burial, it would have been better for him to be born dead. Let me put in layman's terms now, okay, because you guys are confused. Okay, let's go here. This is really what it means here, and I'll put it down here so we can understand. It's not how many children that you have is what he's saying, but it's how well you enjoy them while you have them. It's what are you doing with them when you got them? Corey, you are laying a legacy for your children. Because one day they're going to go off and get married and they're going to have children. They're going to remember that mom and daddy was there for me and I'm going to be there for my kids. You see, I, I was there for my son. When, we were growing, when he was growing up, man, we would go to the lake. We'd go, we'd go fishing. We'd go tubing. We'd go boating. We'd go skiing. We'd do all this fun stuff. We'd go camping. We'd go hiking. We'd go to fun parks. He played baseball. We was at every game. We were there for him. And you know what? We're close today. And you know what? When he has a child, he's going to be there for his kids. But, but Solomon says it's important to enjoy your children We're laying that legacy, dads, laying that legacy, mamas. And so number one, enjoy your friends. Number two, enjoy your work. Number three, he says, enjoy your children. You know, it's okay to have fun. And by the way, let me pause for a minute. Dads, you you can work your way up that career ladder and forget your kids. And you know what they're gonna do? What you do in moderation, they're gonna do in excess. They're gonna turn out to be a workaholic when they have their kids. Dad's nowhere going to be found. He's at the office. He's working. 
No, Solomon says, enjoy your kids. You can't take that career with you. But there's one thing you're investing in. You're investing eternal. It's something eternal, and that's your child, a living being that you're responsible for, that God has given you and you only. Don't put anything above your children. Now, and the next one, he says, enjoy your years. Have fun while you're alive. Oh, my goodness. This is a, this is a good one. Ecclesiastes 6 and 6. Listen to what he says. He might live a 1,000 years, twice over, 2,000 years he can live, but still not find contentment. Chasing after the wind, trying to find, this is going to make me happy. This is going to make me happy. And since he must die like everyone else, well, what, what's the use? Now, let's go back. You know what brings smiles on mom and dad's face when they see that little girl get on that horse and go around those barrels? You know what brings joy to my face when I see my son get up and he was swinging that bat when he was playing baseball? Just, you know, parents, I guarantee you, right? Hardens, when you see those little girls go do those tumbling things that you girls taught them, it's, it's just totally crazy, but you, you did that. Teresa, you're the one who started all that mess, didn't you? Y'all, right there, she was like a gymnastic queen back in the day, and y'all don't know that. And, and she's married to like the big basketball superstar right there. But our children follow that. Amen? But there's fun. It's fun watching them, though, isn't it? There's more joy in that rather than being and working all the time. Solomon said, have ba- look, it's okay. He wants us to have fun. But we, look, watch. And, and since he must die like everyone else, well, what's the use? What's the use? Enjoy. You know, I used to, I used to sit around and worry and fret over things that didn't mount to a hill of beans. Oh, I'd worry me to death. There was a house I owned three years, three houses ago, and I hear I was living that house. I was stressed out about, about the floor, putting new floor. I was stressed out about the paint. I was stressed out because I, I wanted to fix this one, fix that. That's three houses ago. Uh, who, well, who cares today? But I was losing all the sleep, all that mess in my brain, stressed out to the max. And I love to say this. Well, you know our saying now, Rick, what's it going to matter? Not a hill of beans. It's not going to matter. Your kids isn't going to, they're going to remember that you loved them, that you did life together, that you did life well. You know what? In these years of my life, I want to make a difference in people's lives and I want to do it all for the glory of God. Everything else will come together. But as long as I'm living my life for God and doing it for the glory of God and everybody's going with me and I'm pointing my family to Jesus, man, life is full, man. It's going to be enjoyable. But enjoy your years. And then here he says, and the fifth thing that we need to do is enjoy your wife. Guys, Enjoy your wife. Spend time with your wife. Trust me, I know. Enjoy your wife. Now, at the end of Solomon's life, and I know what you're saying. Dude, this is a dude who had a thousand wives. And he's talking about enjoy your wife when he had a thousand? Okay, here's my point. He didn't have a thousand when he died. He realized that was meaningless, that was stupid. And he got one. And he realized that it was, it was better to have one wife and spend that time with that one wife than have a thousand. Why is this man? He's taught us something. Because remember, he, he said, dude, I, I messed it up. I messed my life up. I, I shouldn't have ever done that. And he messed it up. But then he finally got together and he said, you know what? I, I'm searching and searching, thinking that all those wives are gonna make me happy. But I found one that I finally submitted to. <laughs> and did. And, and listen to what she was telling me, amen. And, and, and my life was fulfilled and complete. I've been married to my wife 32 years. And Denny and Betty and I, hey man, come on. 32 years. And and Denny and Betty and I and, and my wife, we, we drove separately. I love them, but I wanted to drive separately to Houston to this marriage conference. Now you guys say, that's you've lost your ever loving mind. Why don't you fly? Well, I, won't, I wouldn't get to spend hundreds of hours with my wife talking along the way that way. I'm in a car. You try traveling hundreds of hours in the same car with one person. 
you're going to get to know them. And that was the best time of my life. We had a marriage retreat in that car. Oh, man, we had some heated discussions sometimes. Come on. And, but we had some good discussions. We had some loving discussions. We had some come-to-Jesus discussions. We had all kinds of... Man, it was the most enjoyable time of my life. And she'll tell you the same thing. It, it changed our lives when we got back. Spend time with your wife. Enjoy your wife. Ecclesiastes 9, verses 8 and 9. Watch what it says here. Always be clothed in white. You protect your marriage. That white, protect the marriage is what he's saying here. And always anoint your head with oil. Put on a little bit of cologne every now and then. Guys, it makes it smell good anyway. That's really not what that means, but I just kind of pulled that. Let me have fun. I like pulling stuff out of here. Enjoy life with your wife. Enjoy life. There's the title of the man. Enjoy life. Enjoy life. Enjoy it. He wants us to enjoy it. This is the dude that said life is meaningless. Now he's telling us to enjoy it. Because he finally figured out this, the answer. It's time now. We get to enjoy life here with your wife, whom you love all the days of this meaningless life <laughs> that God has given you where? Under the sun. You're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days, but you remain faithful. You continue to be faithful to your wife, be faithful to your husband, love him with all your heart, and it will grow in Jesus' name and protect it because there's going to be people that want to try to take them away from you. They will. I guarantee you there's some of you married right now that in the year, you know there's been people had little crushes on your, on your wife or on your husband. I know. My wife about clawed two women's eyes out over in Cincinnati. We lived over there. <laughs> now, us guys, we're dumb. I had no clue. They, they, I had no clue. We played dumb. I don't know. I, I, I'm supposed to just love people. These little girls, they kept, you know, they kept hanging out, in the, out there, and, and Shayla Rogers saw it, and Wilma saw it. I'm glad. But you know what? My wife has the right to do that because I belong to her. She belongs to me. That's rights. That's a right. And if, God, if you guys think your wife, you, you need to hush your mouth, man. Your wife can speak into you. If she wants to get all over you, if you, what you're looking at on TV. Look, my wife knows every place I go, every place I go. She gets a report twice a week or once a week where I've been and how long I've been on, on the internet. Every, every, every one of my devices. And that man right there locks me out of this device here and my iPhone right there. I can't, it locks me out. Am I lying? No, okay. If I want to update my bank statement, I have to take it to him and he has to update all my apps or I can't get into my account. And trust me, they update about once a week. They're not, they lost their mind. Chase can only, I mean, are you kidding me? You update once a week? Come on. But anyway, I have no clue why I just said all that. But anyway, watch here. He said, under the sun, everything's meaningless. And then he goes on here, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 11. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to wrap up here. Let's be content with what we have, church. Let, let's, let's stop living under the sun with uncontentment. But let's live, if we're going to live there, let's be content with what we have. Let's learn to love what we have. But the only way we're going to get there is when you're content with God. When your heart's right, it's not hard to live above the sun at all. It's not hard to live above it. But when your heart's wrong, it's, it's hard. But Ecclesiastes 9 verses 11 and 12, and he sums it up and I'm done. Watch what he says here. And I love this. He says, I have observed something else under the sun, under this meaningless world. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. The strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. Wise sometimes go hungry. The skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It's all decided by chance. Watch that. By being in the right place at the right time sometimes. And he, and he wraps up with this. People can never predict what hard times might come. Like fish in a net, birds in a trap, people are caught by sudden tragedy. Debbie Baxter, 
a few weeks ago. Or the couple last week, probably. It, time flies. When they took her to the hospital, that was a couple weeks ago. When they took her to the hospital, come on out, out the whole worship team. When they took her to the hospital, man, oh man, oh, I went long day, did I? But when they took her to the hospital, I, I don't think she ever thought in her brain that she was never going to come home. She didn't know that. Her family never knew that. They thought she's just going to go, and then she's going to come home. See, we don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. None of us do. But she never returned back home. She went to home, all right. She went to her eternal home. But nothing under the sun, church, is ever going to satisfy us. And I believe that if she was here today, she said, it is meaningless. Only one thing that really matters. Where's your heart? Be content with where you're at. Treasure the most important things in life because you can't take anything with you. Because remember, our bodies were created for the Holy Spirit to dwell and live in. That's why we were created. That's why you were created. And when you're not happy, when you're not content, that's the problem. You're putting more emphasis on those things rather than your relationship with God. Somebody, you getting it? Solomon, the wise man. So what am I saying? Stop living under the sun and let's start living above the sun with what we have. Let's be content with what we have. Let's be content with our relationship with God. Let's be content with our house. Let's be content with our wife. Let's be content with our husband. Let's be content with our family and say, thank you, God. I'm going to be content with my job. I'm going to be content with it all, God, because God, you gave it to me, God, and I'm going to take care of it in Jesus' name. How can we enjoy a beautiful life while living under the sun? We'll be content with God. God's either going to be Lord of it all or he's not going to be Lord at all. And we'll be chasing after the wind, everything and anything, and never be satisfied looking and searching. Simple. Fill your heart. Fill your temple with what, was, what it was created to be, what was created to hold. It's called the Holy Spirit. Jesus. Amen. Father, I want to thank you for your word this morning. I want to thank you, God, that God, that you are doing great things in this church. And I thank you, God, for that. We love you. We praise you, God. And I pray that God, the word that has been spoken, God, is already ministered in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen, amen. Would you stand with me? Now, here, here's what we're going to do. For you parents that have children, um, I know time slipped away here. You're free to go and get your children. Um, you can go right now. But what we're going to do, I want these altars to stay open. If you need prayer, if you're not content, if you've been battling this thing, the answer is get Jesus in that void in your life and you'll be content again. You'll stop chasing after everything and anything. And trust me, whenever you get Jesus filling your heart, that, 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 that 1950, whatever you own in car, that, that doesn't hardly work. It'll start looking beautiful to you. Because when you get your heart right, you'll be content with what you have. Amen.